On today's episode of District Divided, I get into that epic, epic victory over the previously undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. How did we do it? I get into that, and I also hand out some game balls to certain players. We then get into the State of the Union, where we cover Russell Westbrook and the Washington Wizards, talk about his anticipated impact with the team, also get into some college sports, some Maryland football and basketball, as well as Georgetown basketball. And then we're going to conclude with the San Francisco 49ers, our opponent this Sunday. So kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hail to the football team. Your Washington football team went into Pittsburgh on a Monday evening, 5 p.m. Eastern, and beat the previously undefeated 11-0, now 11-1, Pittsburgh Steelers, 23-17. This now puts us at 5-7 and seven on the season and was the perfect response to the Giants stunning the Seahawks in Seattle. None of us saw that coming. To put them at 5-7 and seven as well, it's especially stung because Colt McCoy and Alfred Morris, both former players of ours, were the ones that led the charge there. The Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys both lost to the Green Bay Packers and Baltimore Ravens respectively. So it looks like a two-team race in the NFC East, but with this division, you just never know. Once again, as evidenced by the New York Giants beating the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle and your Washington football team beating the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, you just never know. But let's talk more about our game, our matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers, because wow. The game started as a stalemate, with both defenses playing near-perfect football. I believe we were the first team to force two consecutive three-and-outs to start the game for Ben Roethlisberger and company. The Steelers did take a 7-0 lead through a touchdown to Deontay Johnson, though. And then we'd still be held scoreless after that, with the Steelers adding another touchdown to their lead with a touchdown to James Washington. So it's 14-0. And against a team as solid as the Pittsburgh Steelers, the perfect Pittsburgh Steelers, our chances looked finished. ESPN had Pittsburgh's win probability around 93%. And we even had fans on social media calling for Dwayne Haskins to come into the game. But as you know, that's not what happened. Dwayne Haskins did not come into the game. And Pittsburgh had their win probability eventually drop to 0%. We escaped the half with a field goal that never should have been to make it 14-3. Some heady play by Alex Smith, slightly illegal, but it is what it is. And then Peyton Barber got into the end zone for us on our first possession of the second half to make it 14-10. Peyton Barber, you're probably wondering, what about Antonio Gibson? He got hurt very, very early on in the game. It was actually the first play of our second possession, so... 
really devastating blow there, but Peyton Barber did get in to the end zone once again to make it 14-10. That gave us 10 unanswered points before Pittsburgh could even touch the ball. The Steelers would add a field goal to grow their lead to 7, and then we would score another touchdown with 9 minutes left in the fourth quarter, this time to Logan Thomas, who had himself one hell of a day to make it 17-17 game on. You could feel it. You could just feel it. And at this point, I think we were all just proud of the team's effort. The grit and determination of this team to come back to 17-all, amazing. No matter how the game finished, you had to be proud, at least through this point. Epic. Absolutely epic from this team. But there were still nine minutes to go. Pittsburgh then took the ball down to our 27-yard line with under five minutes left and were faced with a fourth and one. Now, their regular kicker, Chris Boswell, was out with an injury, so instead of placing faith in their new kicker, they actually went for it. And Roethlisberger threw a back shoulder fade to third-string running back Anthony McFarland. Some of you will know that name. He's a former Maryland Terp. And it went incomplete. McFarland could not twist his body around to make that catch. And our next possession just felt legendary. It was nine plays. We only went 45 yards, but against that Pittsburgh defense, that number one ranked defense, that's a lot. And the highlight was a third and four from our own 44-yard line. The Steelers brought pressure, and Alex Smith stood strong in the pocket and threw a ball to Cam Sims, who brought it down and reeled it in with one hand for 29 yards yards that's the kind of play you need to make against an undefeated team this late in the season we end up kicking a field goal ironically from the pittsburgh 27 yard line where they had a chance to kick their field goal from our 27 yard line and we made it 20 to 17 with just over two minutes to go pittsburgh gets the ball back and on their very next play It's a batted ball at the line from Montez Sweat that resulted in an interception by John Bostick. We milked the clock from there, kicked another field goal to make it a six-point lead at 23-17 with just 17 seconds left, and the game was over after a couple Steelers plays. One pass incomplete intended for Chase Claypool, the other completed to Eric Ebron, but inbounds. They had no timeouts, and time expired. What a game. Division race on. Season alive. What a game. Alex Smith, comeback player of the year and only quarterback to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this season. 31 of 46 for 296 yards and a touchdown. And it was all hard fought. He was even the victim of a couple drops from his receivers, so he played really, really well. And most importantly, he did not turn the ball over, which was critical. And peak Alex Smith, he is very good at taking care of the ball overall. Logan Thomas, nine catches for 98 yards and a touchdown, and also had a critical fumble recovery on a J.D. McKissick fumble. Speaking of J.D. McKissick, he had 10 catches for 70 yards and was huge in the second half constantly getting to the sideline and picking up first downs. Cam Sims. I've been talking a lot about Cam Sims on this podcast. 
He has officially emerged as our number two receiver. Five catches for 92 yards, and every catch seemed to spark the team. Most notably, and it's not even the third and four 29-yard one-handed grab, because the game would have been over well before that if not for a third and 14 screen that Cam Sims took for 45 yards. That led to the Peyton Barber touchdown. If we don't convert that third and 14, we're punting the ball back to Pittsburgh in the second half, down 14 to three. What do you think happens? Cam Sims arguably won us that game. Arguably won us that game. But he also had some key blocks as well. The man played out of his mind. On a day where Terry McLaurin was held to two catches for 14 yards, Cam Sims stepped up. On a day where Antonio Gibson goes down hurt and ironically has the same stat line, two carries for 14 yards, Peyton Barber steps up, J.D. McKissick steps up. Logan Thomas in the passing game stepped up. Once again, your heroes... On offense, Cam Sims, Logan Thomas, J.D. McKissick, Peyton Barber, Alex Smith. Phenomenal performances from all of them. If I had to give a game ball to just one of them, probably Cam Sims, honestly, because that third and 14 screen, he made that play. He got some good blocks, but he made that play. And the one-handed grab. My goodness. My goodness, Cam Sims officially the number two receiver on this team and looks like a legitimate threat every time he touches the ball. And on the other side of the ball, that defense, we had a goal line stand with a monster stop from Chase Young. Ever since the Lions game where he had that roughing the passer penalty, he has made his presence known, making plays constantly, and this is just another one of them. Montez Sweat batted three balls at the line, including the one to seal the game that John Bostick intercepted. And Jimmy Moreland made a number of key solo tackles in the secondary. Our defense overall was excellent. Special teams early on, we had some penalties. Not good, but you know who was? Dustin Hopkins. He went three for three on his field goals and two for two on his extra points. And it sounds like good. That's what a kicker's supposed to do. Yes, but... He had been having a shaky season, but was absolutely perfect in these clutch situations. Unlike me, clutch situations. Clutch situations. All phases of the game played a major part in this victory, and I can't remember a victory quite as epic as this one. It has been a while, folks, since you got the blood flowing and pumping like this. What a game. What a win. Up next, the 5-7 and seven San Francisco 49ers. But before we get to the preview of that game, we're now going to jump into the State of the Union, your DC Sports wraparound coverage. We began last week's episode with Russell Westbrook and the Washington Wizards, and we begin with them here. Russell Westbrook was officially introduced as a wizard, and it was a breath of fresh air. He gave an excellent introductory press conference and looks genuinely happy to be here. I would give that press conference an A+. He said all the right things, talked about the team, talked about giving to the community here in D.C., Just a stand-up guy, very different from the things you hear about him and all the rumors that are spread about him being selfish and all about himself. 
very, very fun interview to listen to, a press conference to listen to. That being said, I went back and saw last year's introductory press conference in Houston, and he also hit that one out of the park. So it makes you wonder, will it work here? I believe it will, because the key difference is, this time, he requested to be on a team where he can be the primary ball handler, and he got his wish. Remember, last year in Houston, it was James Harden. Here, it can be Russ, and Bradley Beal even said so, by acknowledging Russ is a true point guard, while Bradley is a true number two guard. I'm getting increasingly optimistic that the Wizards can make some noise in the East with this backcourt, and especially because I, like many fans, are in absolute love with these training camp videos that they're putting out and it looks like they're doing well looks like everyone's vibing it's a loose atmosphere but also intense very excited about that call me a sucker if you want to that's a-okay with me what to look out for this season a third star to emerge we already know about our backcourt it's arguably the best in the nba or one of the best certainly but a third star who would it be the likely candidates are troy brown jr rui hachimura and denny avdia now, of course, we already have Davis Bertans, the sharpshooter for us, and that's great. But in terms of ceiling, Denny Avdia, he was supposed to go even earlier in the draft, but fell to us at pick nine. Rui Hachibura, does he take a big next step this season in his sophomore campaign? And Troy Brown Jr., who looked pretty good in the bubble. So you never know what those guys... I would put my money on Denny Avdia. I'm getting increasingly optimistic about him as well. I look forward to seeing some games. I don't know about you guys. And the regular season games do begin starting December 23rd for your Washington Wizards. In the meanwhile, we do have a preseason game, and it is Sunday at the Brooklyn Nets at 6 p.m. I'm sure you can catch the game on NBC Sports Washington. And we have two more preseason games next week as well, with the next one after the Nets game being Thursday against the Detroit Pistons. From your NBA Washington Wizards to your college basketball Georgetown Hoyas, 1-1 one one this past week, beginning with an 80-71 loss to number 11 West Virginia on Sunday. Javon Blair, the senior guard, led the way with 19 points, and it was a close game all the way through, but West Virginia did manage to pull away in the dying minutes, and it resulted in the 80-71 loss at McDonough. And then on Tuesday, we played Coppin State and won 80-48. to Talk about a bounce back. Javon Blair again led the way for the Hoyas in scoring with 22 points. And fellow senior Jamarco Pickett had himself one hell of a day with 19 points. And get this, 18 rebounds. So close to a 2020 performance. Phenomenal from Pickett. The seniors leading by example in this one. Up next this week for the Hoyas... Big East play officially begins, beginning tomorrow with number 9 Villanova at 7 p.m. Once again, so Friday at 7 p.m. And then St. John's on Sunday at 7.30 p.m. Both games can be seen on FS1. And from Georgetown to Maryland we go. Maryland basketball was 1-1 one one this week. A 90-57 win over St. Peter's on Friday. Sophomore guard Hakeem Hart led the way with 33 points. I'd say that's pretty impressive followed by a 51 to 67 loss unfortunately to clemson and that was yesterday another sophomore dante scott the leading scorer with 11 points the rest of the team was in single digits up next this week for maryland basketball big 10 play begins just one game though number 21 rutgers this monday at 6 p.m and you can see that game on the big 10 network maryland football no game this past weekend with Michigan canceling 
again this past weekend final game of the regular season and maybe the whole season i don't know the deal with bowl games but it is this saturday at home to rutgers so we get a rutgers doubleheader in football and basketball for your maryland terrapins at 12 p.m you can watch the game on either the big 10 network or fs1 with that network still being determined maryland is currently two and two on the year so let's see if they can finish above 500 for this season and finally soccer dc united did they play no did the u.s men's national team play yes and paul Ariola and bill hamid both got called up and played both started as well against el salvador yesterday Paul Ariola starting his first game for club or country since tearing his ACL back in February scored the opening goal of the game. How is that for a comeback? Welcome back to the fold. Paul Ariola and Bill Hamid started in goal and pitched a shutout. And we beat El Salvador 6-0. Nothing but good vibes for DC United there. And that will conclude the State of the Union, your DC Sports Wraparound coverage. It's time to talk about the San Francisco 49ers. Let's first begin with a quick NFC East standings update. In first place, the New York Giants at 5-7. And, and they take on the 6-6 six six Arizona Cardinals who are on a three-game losing streak. And Kyler Murray just does not look right for Arizona. Ever since he hurt his shoulder a few weeks ago, it's actually his rushing numbers that have gone down. He is an amazing dual threat quarterback, but when you take away his ability to run, he's not as good a QB. He looks pretty ordinary and has these last three weeks, which is why they've lost. So this game against the Giants is very much a toss-up. In second place, your Washington football team at 5-7, and seven, the same record as the Giants and the same record as their opponent this week, the 5-7 and seven San Francisco 49ers. In third place, the Philadelphia Eagles at 3-8-1. They play the 10-2 New Orleans Saints on a nine-game winning streak. The Saints are the hottest team in the NFC, potentially the NFL. And the Philadelphia Eagles will be starting Jalen Hurts, their second-round pick this year at quarterback for his first-ever NFL start. That now means that every team in the division has started multiple quarterbacks I can't remember the last time a division has done this. This might actually be the first time a division has ever done this. It's entirely possible. And in fourth place, the Dallas Cowboys at 3-9, they play the Joe Burrow-less Cincinnati Bengals, who are 2-9-1. I'd expect them to win that one. But on to the San Francisco 49ers, our opponent this Sunday. They are a very random team. They have swept the NFC West division leading LA Rams, most notably beating them two weeks ago with Nick Mullins at quarterback. But they've also lost to the likes of the Philadelphia Eagles, again with Nick Mullins at quarterback. And you will remember that we have beaten the Philadelphia Eagles, but then we lost to the LA Rams. LA Rams are 8-4 right now, and the Eagles, as I said earlier, 3-8-1. So they've struggled to win games. Nick Mullins is going to be the man we're facing this Sunday, and he's had some great days, like the one against the New York Giants in Week 3. And then some absolutely horrible games, like the one against the Eagles the very next week. And it's interesting because the Giants have a better defense than the Eagles do. And yet, Nick Mullins did better against the Giants than the Eagles. So he is unpredictable, and therefore the San Francisco 49ers on offense are unpredictable. They open up as three and a half point favorites against us, and it's an intriguing matchup. 
They want to be able to run the football. And if they are able to, they will win this game because they'll be able to control the tempo. And it's that simple. We did an excellent job stopping Anthony McFarland and Benny Snell this past Monday. But Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, those are solid names. They are a completely different beast. A completely different prospect than the Pittsburgh Steelers without James Conner. Especially when you consider that classic Shanahan zone running scheme, the Kubiak-Shanahan zone running scheme that has worked so, so well over the course of time in the NFL. Now, it's also a bit of a revenge game for us, too. Kyle Shanahan openly despises the organization. Now, he was credited with helping RG3 become NFL Rookie of the Year back in 2012, and he was excellent. He is a damn good coordinator, and as a head coach, he has taken the 49ers to the Super Bowl. And Trent Williams essentially forced a trade there this offseason. So Kyle Shanahan, who doesn't like us, Trent Williams, who I guess doesn't like us, and we also go against Jordan Reed, who is now their number one tight end with George Kittle out. So some familiar faces on the other side of that. Now, you'll remember last year we lost to the 49ers 9 to nothing at our place, and it was just a really embarrassing sort of day, and Shanahan loved it. So that is why it is a revenge game for us. Now, offensively, they're decent. Defensively, they're decent. They're not truly great at anything this year due to all the injuries they've suffered. Most notably, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Nick Bosa. Those guys, their regular stars are out. But they've also played just about everyone close. We are going to be missing Antonio Gibson most probably. He ended up with a toe injury from that Monday game. So expect a lot of J.D. McKissick out of the backfield this week. Because the Niners are actually pretty decent at stopping the run. So you would see Peyton Barber get involved early. I don't expect him to have too much success. And then I would expect the extension of the run game BJD McKissick. Maybe some more Steven Sims. Maybe some quick throws to Terry McLaurin, who again only had two catches for 14 yards last week. Expect to see him more involved this week. Alex Smith is also facing the team that drafted him way back in the day. Round one, pick one, the same draft as Aaron Rodgers. Just a bit of a fun fact there. He will have to be efficient, just as he was in the second half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Alex Smith needs to have a good day. J.D. McKissick will need to be his security bank blanket, excuse me. And Cam Sims, can he continue to produce the way he was producing? against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It looks like he has that number two receiving spot, and I want to see if he can continue that because this offense looks totally different when you have McLaurin, when you have Gibson, and then you also have the threat of a number two receiver. Could it be Cam Sims? Can he continue and build on that performance that he had against the Pittsburgh Steelers? We're going to see. I think this game is going to be very, very close. Now, you'll remember the trend. When we played the Cincinnati Bengals, I picked the Cincinnati Bengals. When we played the Dallas Cowboys, I picked the Dallas Cowboys. When we played the Pittsburgh Steelers, I picked the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am 0-3 in picks, and this team is 3-0 in that time. 
I am going to go with the San Francisco 49ers by a score of 24 to 20. I think it's going to be a close game, as I said earlier. And I think it's probably going to come down to the last possession. But San Francisco wins 24 to 20. Once again, folks, this is District Divided. I'm your host, Amit Singh. If you like the podcast, please follow it on Twitter and Instagram at District Divided. There is also a Facebook page and group called District Divided. Please like and join respectively. That's going to do it here. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the games this weekend. And Polly Polo, it's your time to shine, baby. Do your thing. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in